Well, I tell you what, we are blessed. We are a blessed people. Turn to your person next to you and tell them you're a blessed person. Come on, will you tell them that? Yes, you are. You're blessed. I'll tell you, one of the things that I want to just do today, I just feel like today is a day of honor. And um, there's a couple of people I just felt like I should do this for, and they have no idea I'm doing this, but Rick Sink and Mike, Sm- Mike Smith, why don't you come, come up, come up front, come up front, where are you at, come up front, I don't know where you're at, come on, we're clapping for you, but I know you're here. Oh, Rick's... Rick's at Pirate Cove Ministry. You can sit down. Thank you. Where, where's Mike Smith? Where's Mike? Mike, come on, brother. Come on in. All right. So. So, so Rick's, Rick's at Pirate Cove Ministry. And, and <laughs> he just prophesied to me right there. He said, I'm a dead man. <laughs> But uh, Rick's ministering at Pirate. How many know we have a micro campus called Pirates Cove and we minister? And so Rick's over there ministering this morning. We have a team, David Dave's over there. Uh, but um, I just felt like this morning um, these guys have just worked themselves to the bone and they have been on it every day, every day, every day. And I tell you what, we, we're, we're, we're two weeks away to, from today. Come on. So. <laughs> What, what does that mean? Two-ish. Two-ish. So how does that make you feel when I say we're two weeks away? Um, <laughs> you know, everybody's been asked every, every, uh, every Sunday, say, hey, oh, is it next Sunday? Is it yeah, next Sunday? Yeah, so yeah. it feels good that we see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, so it's, we're getting close. And some, some have wondered what that big circle is in the lobby, what that's going to be. What is your thoughts about that? What should we do with that? I think it's a wrestling area. Sam was sumo wrestling term. Yeah, just to draw them in. Or what else can we put there? Um, we could put a big – I've been trying to get him to do it, but he, he will not do it, put a big A there. <laughs> yeah. So are we taking a vote today? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun when we get in there. We're excited. Two weeks from today is the goal. Is that's, that's the goal. Still the goal. So, so, so this past week, you you dug all the dirt away from the building to put plants and stuff along the side of the building, and 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 and, and what do we have now? We we have a moat <laughs> <laughs> and a drawbridge. <laughs> So we don't know if we're building a boat, a castle, or a church. We don't know what it is, but it's something. But we appreciate you, Mike. I just wanted you to be um, just encouraged. We love you so much. We're praying for you, and we couldn't do this without you. Come on, one more hand for Mike. Would you do that? Appreciate you, guys. So the Bible says to give honor where honor is due, and uh, that is... Definitely a place that we need to show honor to Mike and to Rick when you see Rick. And if you, if you don't know Rick, he's the, he's the man that makes everything happen. Everybody should know him. You know God, then you know Rick. You know, kind of like somewhere in that order. I don't know. But um, so some of you may not know this and some may, but uh, years ago, 
uh, I was a young man, and I just did not know what to do with my life. And through the Lord's leading, I found my way from the Midwest down to New Orleans, Louisiana, in a, in, a, in a Bible college. Some of you may not even think New Orleans has a Bible college, but it had a Bible college. At least it did then. And, and with a great church and a great pastor of that Bible college. And the Lord led me down there, and for the six years I was there, I grew probably more in my spiritual walk than any time I ever had in my, my life. I, I saw a lot of great things. It was a healthy church. It was the largest church. It would become the largest church in New Orleans. It was the first um, multicultural church in New Orleans. Um, it was a progressive, uh, you know, cutting-edge church pastor with some great leaders and a great pastor. And I learned there the power of the local church. I learned in that setting the influence a church could have over a city and how it could literally change the landscape of a city. I learned what biblical authority looks like, and I learned um, the power of praise in that church, and I learned about the power of the prophetic word in that church. And there's, there's so many things that I learned that that um, almost makes me cry when I think about it. And, and, um, and then one day... Um, uh, this great pastor uh, put his hands on me and sent me out, launched me into ministry into Mississippi as I became a youth pastor and eventually meet my wife. And by the way, we've been married 29 years today. 29 years today. Come on. Stand up, babe. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a dead man two or three times already. So. It doesn't matter, does it? Oh, so, but anyway, it was uh, it was a, a great time, season in my life, and and so as I moved on, you know, that uh, Pastor Pastor Green was the pastor, Pastor Charles Green, and uh, he's written books. He's 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 been an incredible teacher, known throughout the nation and throughout the world, and uh, and. Pastor Green is 95 years old, and today it's our honor to honor the man that um, blessed me and put me into the ministry. So can we stand to our feet and give a great Summit Church welcome to Pastor Charles Green as he comes this morning? Come on. You're coming. Come on, Pastor Green. You're, you're on. <laughs> uh. Hey, Melissa, I want to give you some encouragement today. If you have survived 29 years, the worst is over. Uh, you may be seated. God bless you. What a fabulous worship team you have, huh? Wow, those guys are very good. It's good to see all of you today. Are we going to have this many in the second service? Good enough, pretty much. Yeah. Good enough. So you, you've you been elected to be the man right in the front yes, that, I, that I preach to. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad to be here. As Brother J.P. said, on February the 27th, I turned 95 years old. 
I came to the Lord when I was 13 years old on June the 22nd, 1939. They had four girls my age who had a quartet. Naomi Hale sang the lead. Doris Gurley sang the alto. Uh, Christine Rhodes sang the baritone. And Marie Regenhart sang the bass. Aren't you, th don't, aren't you impressed that a guy 95 can <laughs> still remember all of and, and And while they were there, they introduced a brand new song that I had never heard called Victory in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And they got to singing, and when they came to the part where they said, He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him, I started crying. And when the preacher gave the invitation, I walked down the aisle as a little 13-year-old kid, gave my heart to the Lord. And from that night until right now, I have never doubted that I was walking with God. I spent 65 days on troop ships going and coming to India. I was in the middle of the Burmese jungles when World War II ended. And I, I've had some fabulous experiences, but every step I have walked with God. Isn't that great? All right. How many of you believe in victory and not defeat, okay? I want you to listen carefully to me. Number one, we are a blessed people. Amen? Amen. We have some things that are important. First of all, we have the gift of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And then as believers, we have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I, I want to direct your attention to the great gift that we have called the Bible, the Word of God. The Bible is the dividing line of everything that happens in our lives. And my Bible is the most important book. On my little iPhone, I have 150 books that I bought off of Kindle. But the most important book in my life has always been the Word of God. I am kind of lived by the word from Colossians, said, uh, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Isn't that great? Amen. And those of you that are speakers, there are three messages hidden in that scripture that I just quoted for you. Get to know them, okay? Now, we understand we are in Christ, right? 
That's something we all should always keep in mind. No matter, no matter what comes our way, you know how many battles we can't lose because we are in Christ, and Christ cannot be defeated. Amen? Amen. And, and, you know, I'm working up to my text. Remember that the pattern of the Old Covenant, uh, of the New Testament, always uh, begins in the Old. Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians that the things that happened to Israel happened for our examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. Now, the verses that I'm going to read for you sum up the entire scope of the Bible. The struggle between good and evil, between Christ and Antichrist, and finally, between the church and all the ungodly system of the world. So here we are, and I want you to write down. You don't have to turn to it. It's very short. Write down Revelation, not period, I mean not plural, but one, Revelation, chapter 17, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says that these ungodly forces are of one mind, and they will give their power and their authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and here's the important word, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and perfect, and faithful. Isn't that it? Now, my, my, my scripture is on two words. The two words are with him. Everybody say out loud, with him. With him. Yeah, that's, you're going to have to remember that. Now, this verse imply, applies to every devilish system that has fought or will ever fight against Jesus and his church all the way from Matthew through the book of Revelation. I want to tell you something. What time do I get through? <laughs> I know we have another service. Huh? Uh, from right now, I have 30 minutes. All right. God help me. <laughs> All of this stuff begins when I was pastor in a little church in Port Arthur, Texas. I had been to a great conference in Houston, and I was coming home Wednesday afternoon to have my Wednesday night service and then go back the next day. It was only an hour and 15-minute drive. But I was tired of going the regular way, so I decided to go the back way, like through Galveston and towards Port Arthur. I'm driving down this lonely road, and I'm singing praise to God, and I'm singing choruses that we had learned. And suddenly, without any warning, the power of God comes into that car, and I could feel the burning heat of the anointing of God, and suddenly God began to speak to me, and he said, I am going to put my word in your mouth, even 
the word of faith. Well, I knew that was somewhere in the Bible. So when I got to my church, I looked it up in the concordance, and I found it in Romans 10, where Paul said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. But I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, ignoring and rejecting the righteousness of God, they have gone about to establish their own righteousness and have not accepted God's righteousness. And then that wonderful little verse 4, Jesus Christ is the end of the law. Many people don't know that. They still think they're living under the law. Well, if I work hard enough, if I do a lot of good things, I might make it. No, no, no. No, Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who will believe. And then he goes ahead by saying, Now Moses said that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above or who will go down into the grave to bring Christ up from beneath. But what does it say? It says the word is nigh thee in thy heart and in thy mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart man believes under righteousness, but with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that grand discourse ends in verse 13 by saying, whoever, whoever, calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen? Well, I got to my church in New Orleans on October the 7th, 1950. Barbara and I had been married on, on February the 11th, 1950. And when she went home, we had been together for 69 years. She had a fabulous sense of humor and we, we never, argue, well, we did argue about one thing. We argued about the room temperature. <laughs> she wanted it warm and I wanted it cold. But anyway, that night that we got there, my first night, we had 37 people. So during the night, God gave me a dream and spoke to me and told me to do two things. He said, start next Sunday having service every night, seven nights a week, and do that until I tell you you can stop. And the second thing, he said, go to the best radio station in town, buy a broadcast. He even told me when to do it, Sunday night at 10 o'clock. So I, I put an ad in the paper the next week, Charles Green Evangelistic Tabernacle, Woodworth Boulevard and 10th Street, service every night. And then I went down to KPAC in Port Arthur, 5,000-watt clear channel station. I bought a broadcast. Had a wire put into the church. And had, out of 37 people, I, <laughs> I found 20 that could sing. <laughs> so I created me a choir. My service is over at 9 o'clock Sunday night. I brought them up on the platform, taught them the song we were going to sing. 
We came on the air, and Barbara was my soloist, and she had a low contralto voice. She she <laughs> she sounded like a a saloon singer, you know. <laughs> she was so low, <laughs> and. Uh, so after they did the theme song, he is able to deliver you. He is able to deliver you. Though by sin oppress, come to him for rest. Our God is able to deliver you. And this is Charles Green from the Evangelistic Tabernacle. We had fabulous services today. People were touched and they were healed. Hope you can come with us next Sunday. Well, after the second broadcast, a man called me on Monday morning, and he said, hello. I said, hello. He said, my name is J.P. Logan. I said, yeah, Mr. Logan. He said, my wife is an invalid. She can't walk. She can't even stand. She spends half of her time in hospitals. She heard your broadcast. She likes the way you do it. She wants to know, will you come to our home and pray for us? I, I said, yeah. So about an hour later, Barbara and I were on 8th Street in Port Arthur, and we walked in. And when I got there, I found out that J.P. Logan was the mayor of the city of Port Arthur. So we walked in to pray for her. And, you know, I'm, I, I want God to show me that he's at least listening to me. I was looking for a light from heaven or earthquake or something. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Just a plain vanilla prayer. I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed in Jesus' name. That was the most intelligent thing I did because Jesus said, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Amen. Keep that in mind. Amen. So we prayed for Mrs. Logan, and I got up, and they took us to the, to the door. And uh, taking all of my cords. I'm glad I'm not in a hospital. So uh, that was Monday morning. On Friday, Barbara called me at the little church. She said, have we heard from the Logans? I said, not a word. She said, I'm very disappointed. I said, yeah, me too. So Sunday morning, I had started a young adults class. I used to call it the young adults and adulteresses. <laughs> <laughs> and I got through and I came into the platform. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a punctual guy. So at exactly 11 o'clock, I walked up to the podium, put my hands out, turned the palms up, and I was just getting ready to say, let's stand for prayer, and boom, the back door flew open, and the mayor came walking in, his two kids were with him, and his invalid wife, wearing spike heels, walked down the aisle of my church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knew that she was an invalid. They stood up and began to clap for her. She went down on Proctor, Proctor Street. That was our main street. And they said, did you find a new surgeon to help you? No, no. So that fellow, Charles, Charles Green, out at Woodworth Boulevard, came and prayed for me, and God did a miracle. You ought to go to that church. Our little church seated 175 people. In 90 days, we had filled every seat. We had extra chairs. We filled those, and people were standing around the wall looking for a place later. 
place. One young preacher said, well, how do you get a good crowd? I said, oh, it's easy. Just do a couple of miracles and they, they'll come running, okay? Well, we uh, were there for a couple of years and then Barbara and I went to Europe. Preached in eight countries in Europe, in Sweden, Denmark, uh, uh, France, Belgium, Holland, Switzerland, all these places, Italy. And then when we came home, my pastor said, I want you to go to New Orleans. He said, there are 10 people down there, and I usually go and teach them every Thursday night, but I'm weary. I want you to go find them another place to go to church. Well, I went down there and tried to find them another place. They said, no, no, no. They said, we want to be here, and we want you to become our pastor. I said, oh, no, 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 no. But they kept on talking to me. Finally, I said, all right. I'll stay two or three weeks, and I began to preach to them. And one day the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, they were only having service Thursday night and Sunday night. So we really did not know who we had. So I said, we're going to have Sunday morning service next week. And uh, I said, bring everybody you possibly can. And, I mean, I worked on that crowd. And when we got there on Sunday morning, there were 16 people there. There were... There were a few adults and a lot of kids. And Barbara was trying to play a piano that half the notes didn't work. We had a microphone like this with a cord, and I walked over to the piano. And I leaned over, and I said, Barbara, let's get out of here. <laughs> and she just smiled and said, I'm with you. <laughs> now, there, the most carnal man in that auditorium at that time was Charles. I turned to walk from that piano, got about halfway back to the little podium, and the power of God hit me, and I began to cry out and prophesy. And here's what I said. I said, we may be few in numbers today, but the day will come that we will have thousands of people, and people all over the world will come to be a part of this. Well, it happened. It happened. And... Uh, uh, during the time that we were renting little halls, we came to one place they called Joe's Hall. And the lady that owned this hall didn't like me. And she would not let me leave anything there. I had to put everything in my car, and I had a little portable pool pulpit. And uh, the thing that just irked me the most, there was a naked light bulb above my head and a string hanging down. And on the end of that string was a sign that said, drink Jack's beer. Get, get the light idea. And Barbara said, what are you going to do about it? I said, I can't do anything. She's back there cooking every Sunday morning. But when I got there the next Sunday morning, she wasn't there. And I did, had no plans, so I was preaching. And I walked away and turned, and I saw that sign. And I stopped, and suddenly I said, thus saith the Lord. The day will come that we will have thousands of people in this church and Jack's beer will be bankrupt. <laughs> I said, my God, why did I say that? <laughs> Everybody was writing it down, you know. You know, like a lot of prophecies in the Bible, they don't happen, they don't happen immediately. So a few years went by and then one morning my administrator 
knocked on my office door on a Monday morning, and he said, Pastor, he said, we've been getting a lot of people saved. I said, I know it. So we baptized a lot of people last night. I just wanted to tell you that we now have 2,007 people. Well, you know, I went to school in Mississippi, but I know, I know the difference between singular and plural, you know. <laughs> we now had thousands. That's, that's Monday morning. On Friday morning, our newspaper, the Times-Picayune, came out with boxcar headlines, Jack's Beer Bankrupt. <laughs> wow, wow. So let's understand a few things. Number one, these people are going to make war with the Lamb. We live in a hostile society today, the media. You know that, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I started, <laughs> I started to ask how many of you are Republicans and how many are Democrats. I could split your congregation with one, one question. <laughs> but the Bible says the Lamb is going to overcome them. Amen. The outcome will never be in question. And the reason is this. They, he, he, God, 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 is with them. Say it with me. With them. And the Bible said, I read for you that they were called, chosen, and faithful. Now, a great opportunity is waiting for us at the end of the age when we recognize once and for all how God has helped us. Uh, the first two of the things we said, called and chosen, uh, that's God's responsibility. But faithful is our part of it. So we need to be faithful. He didn't say we need to be educated. He didn't say we need to be wealthy, but we need to be faithful. Amen? Amen. Now, now, notice that the Lamb did not do this alone the lamb worked with them, and they were with him. So let me show you, give me, I'll give you an illustration, how some God-called people survived and became victorious in the Bible. Let me give you a few of them, and you'll see a common denominator here. With each one of them, God was with them. Let's consider, first of all, this guy Isaac. I mean, how would you... How would you like to be Isaac coming after Abraham? I mean, here he is. He's going to be the head of all of the uh, chosen of the world. But Isaac comes along, and but, but God has a good word for him. In the book of Genesis, chapter 26, verse 24, said, The Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am am what? With you. with you, yeah. And I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Here comes Joseph. Joseph had a dream, and he thought if he just tell his dream, everybody would be happy. But they and his brothers ended up hating him for what he saw. So they put him in a cave, and we were going to kill him. 
but they killed an animal and took his beautiful coat of many colors and took to his father and said, he's dead, an animal killed him. But they really sold him into slavery to some wandering Bedouin tribesmen, and they took him down to Egypt to Potiphar's house. And the Bible said when he was in Potiphar's house, Genesis 39, verse number 2, the Lord was what? With Joseph. He was a successful man, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything that he did prosper, and Joseph found favor in his sight. And then something happened. His wife said, boy, that's a handsome kid. I'd like to go to bed with him. So she reached out and grabbed him one day, and Joseph was a righteous man, and he pulled away, and she had his clothes, and she told, she lied about him. She said, he tried to rape me. So what did they do? They sent him to prison. But when they got there, Genesis 39, verse 24, 21, the Lord was where? With Joseph and showed him mercy gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Keeper of the prison just committed everything to Joseph's hand. And because the Lord was with him, whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And here is Joseph. He went from the pit to Potiphar to the prison, and now he's going to go to the throne. To, he's going to be a prince. So they brought him out, and he told the dream and they made him the second ruler in Egypt. And Joseph was riding around in this great carriage, you know, throngs around him. I've often wondered if Potiphar's wife, if she were in that crowd. If so, what was she thinking? <laughs> well, there was another man I'm going to tell you. His name was Joshua. Joshua followed Moses. How would you like to follow Moses? But God said to him, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, No man will be able to stand with before you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll not leave you nor forsake you. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And finally, we come to Jesus. Peter was asked to go down to Cornelius' household. He never preached to a Gentile. He didn't know what to say. And finally, he said, well, I'm going to tell you how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, for the Lord was with him. God was in Christ and with Christ. Now, folks, remember, I'm coming down for a landing so follow me here. This is not a one-man God. God is calling, choosing us, you know. <laughs> he doesn't want just one person, but he wants us to know that when we cry out to God, marvel, we have power. I used to like to look at a comic book called Captain Marvel, and they had a guy there that was like Superman. He got in trouble. He just hollered, Shazam, and boom. I mean, his clothes were ripped off, and his big muscles were there, and he was doing a, you know. But you know, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said they were all one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, 
and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them. How many of you speak in tongues? Let me see your hand. Okay, how many of you want to? Okay. Uh, before I leave here, uh, in the second service, maybe you want to come back. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll pray. Well, I'll do it today. I'll pray for you, and you, God will feed you with the Holy Ghost. Now, here's my ending. We come down to the end, and every one of us has to know that God is with us. And we need to know that we have a leader, our pastor is with us. When you get sick, when you're in the hospital, the guy that you want to see walking in the door is not your doctor, but you want to see a man by the name of J.P. Wilson. Amen. When I first met him as a kid, I said, J.P., what does that J.P. stand for? He said, Pastor, I thought you would know that. He said, that means Jesus person. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. But, but not only do you need to know that he is with you, this guy's going through a very difficult time. He's pastoring a congregation. He's overseeing building big buildings, costs thousands, millions of dollars, and, and he can't do it by himself. He needs to know that you are with him, and we need to encourage him, okay? Amen. JP, Melissa, I want you to come and stand right here. Come here. Come and stand right here. Now, I want all of you to stand up. And I want you to hold your hand just towards them. Not your finger, but your whole hand towards them. <laughs> now, watch my hand. When I drop my hand, I want you to yell as loud as you can. And I want you to say, JP, Melissa, we are with you. Are you ready? All right, do it. That's pretty good practice. Let's try again. Come on, come on. Ready? Ready to go? Wow. You only have one more chance. I want you to do it so loud that those ceiling deals might start falling down. Yell, point at them with your hand, and let's say it. Are you ready? Isn't that a great sound? Thank you, Pastor Green. Can we give Pastor Green a great hand? Appreciate that. Thank you, Pastor Green. stand on the platform that's been built for us, right? No one stands on their own platform. You don't build your own platform. People have gone before you have built the platform. They've paid prices. They've endured, endured conflict and hurts and pains. And it's good to be able to be in the midst of someone that has walked the walk for decades. 
and is still waving the banner. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. I, I appreciate you, Pastor Green. Thank you so much for coming and imparting to us. I stand on the platform that you have built. I honor you today, Pastor Green. I love you, Pastor Green. Thank you. There's so many men and women that Pastor Green has raised up all across the country and the world. And it's amazing the influence that one person can have. It's amazing the influence that you can have. One seed, you are a seed, but when that seed falls to the ground, hundreds, thousands of lives are raised up when you die to yourself. So many other people have opportunities to see Jesus and to see the one that matters most. So we stand here, Summit Church, on a platform that other people have built for us, not ourselves. On the prices that they have paid, the walk that they have walked, Our greatest privilege is to be able to grab the baton that's being passed to us and to run the race that they began, right? Paul said, I've I fought a good fight and I've finished the race. And Timothy grabbed that baton and he began to run with it as fast as he could. And others, and the light has not stopped and the message continues to to resound across the earth, no matter how many people and kings and governments have tried to suppress the gospel, continues to the good news continues to 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 go into the world and, and, and create miracles and power and life everywhere it goes. And, and so today, we want to honor first of all God. I just felt like today is a day of honor. We honor God. He's so faithful to us. And we honor those who have gone before us. And then we honor one another. And if we can do those things, God, those that God has placed in our lives, and, and then one another, I tell you what, there's not a person in this world that won't want to know Jesus. So, I don't know really how to end this other than if you don't know Jesus, we'll have a prayer team. Prayer teams, why don't you come down and stand beside me here in the front. We want to pray with you. We love to pray. We love to pray with people that have needs. Man, I, I was just encouraged by that story about um, you told Pastor Green about the mayor's wife. Wow, what is I guess we just need a few more miracles and we'll just pack everything out. That's what, seriously, that's what we do need. We need to see the power of God. We need to see the power of God. And if you're here and you need a miracle, you need a healing in your body, you need to come to Jesus, you want to know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you want to put that stake in the ground and, 
and say, today I'm going to make my commitment to Jesus. And do not leave here without us having an opportunity to pray with you. I know some of you are going through some stuff. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just, I, my name is JP. I'm your friend. But I know you're going through some stuff, and yet I watch you walk out of these doors every week. And you're going through stuff, and I know you're going through stuff. And I don't know why you do that, other than probably, can I just be honest? I don't want to bother nobody, or you're too proud. Neither one of those things are wrong. You need to humble yourself and say, so you know, I need some prayer. Would you mind just praying with me about this? Because the Bible says where two or more are gathered together in my name, I'll be there. So why would you want to walk out with a, with a situation where there's somebody there that can pray with you? Actually, we should have like lines of people just waiting to be prayed for, right? Just like, I need someone to agree with me about this because I need God to show up. Amen. Awesome. So I'm just going to pray for you. We'll dismiss you. But we're here to pray for you because we love you. So Heavenly Father, today, we call this Honor Day just because we just want to honor you. We want to tell you, Father, we love you so much and thankful for picking us up and plucking us out of the mess that we were in. Thank you for showing us that life really isn't about us. It's about you. It's about glorifying you. It's about pointing others to you. Because you are the life, you are the truth, you are the way. And so, Lord, we lay our lives down today and we honor you. And we honor Pastor Green and others who have gone before us and who have labored year after year, month after month, through pains and heartache and disappointments and they've watched you Lord do miraculous things and Lord we're thankful that you allow us to live in a place where we can stand on, on solid doctrine and good theology and great faith in you and Lord we're thankful and honor one another this person next to us the people behind us in front of us we honor them today and we, we ask you to help us love one another better. Thankful that you shed your love abroad in our hearts. What will we be without your love? So we bless you today, God, and thank you for the miracles we're going to see this week, the salvations that are going to take place. Thank you, Father, for a building that we're going to have in a few weeks that we can call home. We give you all of our praise. We give you all of our, of our honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a hand of praise and applaud him? Amen. Amen.